hold on, what? Yeah. You know, people will go like, seed oils are bad. And, yes. You know, you shouldn't. Look, I think at the end of the day, if something sounds off, look at who's, I mean, look at where you're getting your information from. Right. I'm not going to say, look, yes, look at their qualifications, but even, you know, people with an MD title have, as I said, spewed a lot of misinformation and pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I, I think, you know, one of... One of the things that I get my clients to relearn is to be connected with their bodies. We mm-hmm. become so disconnected that we wait for people to tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. And I actually ask my clients, how does it feel? If I tell you at one point, don't come and see me for two months. I just want you to do. I want you to listen. Your, what is your body telling you? When should you eat? You know, that's another experiment that I get my clients to do. Don't look at the clock. Oh, yeah. When should you eat? When should you stop? Mm-hmm. What, what's your body signals? You know, right. you're, we're so disconnected from our internal body cues that we wait for all these external messages yes. to tell us what to do. Exactly. <laughs> Going back to food intolerance tests and food allergy tests, to be honest, even though I did go through the journey and I did omit, you know, a a bunch of the foods and I felt better for a very short while. After a while, I managed to feel better on my own Mm -hmm. without having to take out these foods. And I did actually reintroduce a lot of the foods that, you know, they said I couldn't have. I'm glad you Eventually, (laughs) yes, exactly. And to be honest, after a while, I felt like, okay, maybe I don't believe in them as much as I, I thought I would, these food intolerance tests or these food allergy tests. So it's important to define like the yeah, two exactly. and to maybe point out the difference between the two. Um, and then just to give me your take, because I honestly felt like, okay, maybe it wasn't so much um, omitting the foods. Yeah. It was maybe just, you know, sort of like restarting my system or trying to find like, you know, what aggravates, you know, yeah. the, uh, certain symptoms, but it isn't so much about like, a whole category of food. Look, absolutely. Food allergies and food intolerance, the terms are always used interchangeably. Right. So a lot of people would say, I'm allergic to gluten. And actually, you probably have a sensitivity to maybe other components of wheat, not necessarily right. gluten. But when we're talking about a food allergy, we're talking about your immune system being involved. So what happens is your immune system reacts to a specific food protein and it identifies it as being harmful. So mm-hmm. once it does, it just goes, uh-oh, let's start producing these compounds to deal with it. And these are um, allergy antibodies um, called IgE antibodies. Okay. So basically, once you start producing these specific compounds, um, allergic reactions will follow. And they can manifest from things like uh, a rash, so a skin rash, mm-hmm. hives, urticaria, but also vomiting and diarrhea. Um, breathing difficulties and in right. very you know serious cases anaphylaxis where basically you get swelling you of your throat up. exactly yeah. and you stop breathing of course. allergies food allergies are fatal they can be mm-hmm. fatal mm-hmm. now the most common food allergies look I'll, I'll give you the the, the 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 basic ones like you get eggs wheat nuts um, soy nuts tree yeah. nuts right um, cow's milk protein right um, And a lot of the times, if you've been diagnosed with a food allergy as a child, you tend to outgrow them. Also, it is very unusual or rare, I'm not going to say impossible, to develop a food allergy as an adult. We are seeing more and more right now. We don't know the exact reason why. Mm -hmm. Um, We can go back to leaky gut then. But (laughs) um, 
I always say when it comes to food allergies, you can actually test for those, but there's specific tests that you need to go for. So there's okay. an IgE panel that you can do, that's a RAST, so through the blood work, or a skin prick test. Okay. And your specialists there are a, a food allergist, so they're allergist or a clinical immunologist and a gastroenterologist. So they're the ones, if you do suspect a food allergy, um, you need to see them. And mm-hmm. also a clinical dietitian or a clinical nutritionist who specializes in this area. Right. Food intolerance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your immune system is not necessarily involved directly. Okay. okay. So basically, what happens is, um, by definition, a food intolerance is a non-immunological response to a, a food component or an amount that's normally tolerated by a normal person. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, you probably consumed a food product, and then if it doesn't sit well with you, uh, a chemical reaction happens, potentially impacting your gut, but also the nerve endings and your nervous system is involved. So what tends to happen with a food intolerance and why is it so tricky to diagnose is because your gut is not the only system impacted. Okay. Skin, respiratory, uh, neurological symptoms. So with a food intolerance, you get a whole range of symptoms, uh, you know, making my life more difficult. <laughs> but that's the beauty about it. Yeah. And it really takes this whole, you know, no one size fits, fits all. all approach to another level. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to food intolerance, there are different types of food intolerance. And we group them into three main ones. One is called an enzymatic intolerance. And actually, one of the most common intolerances, if you want to talk about it, is lactose intolerance. So basically, this is where you don't produce lactase, which is the enzyme mm-hmm. needed to break down the milk uh, sugars, mm-hmm. which is lactose. Mm-hmm. This is very, very common. As we get older, we produce less and less lactase. So a lot of people say, oh, dairy doesn't sit well with me. Right. doesn't mean you're allergic to it. Right. You're probably intolerant. Lactose intolerance is actually very... Lactose intolerance is actually normal. Lactose tolerance is a genetic mutation. Interesting. Okay. So basically a lot, you know, looking at cultural backgrounds and ethnicities, we do see a lot of people, let's say in this region and Mm -hmm. um, let's say in, in Asia and Southeast Asia, develop lactose intolerance because we are not you know, exposed to the farms or, you know, and then the cows. They're not natural in their natural form, of course. Um, But you see a lot of lactose tolerance in more, let's say, the the, the northern European countries and so on. But by saying that, though, still, that is just an example of a food intolerance or an enzymatic food intolerance. Another type, which is very tricky, is um, a food chemical intolerance, also called a pharmacological sensitivity. So basically, you develop the sensitivity to either natural chemicals in food like amines, I'm sure you've heard of maybe histamines, Mm -hmm. or food additives like sulfites. Okay. So that is a food chemical intolerance. And the last type of, let's say, intolerance is a sensitivity to a group of foods called FODMAPs. And these are fermentable sugars found in lots of healthy stuff, right? So they're found in things like your wheat, your breads, and your cereals. They're found in things like your onion, your garlic, your avocado, asparagus. So a lot of these are good foods that we need to have. Mm -hmm. But some people, let's say, especially those that were diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome, develop the sensitivity to FODMAPs because what these specific foods do is they cause your intestines to to basically absorb so much liquid and gas, causing Distension. The bloating, yeah. The bloat. Yes. Um, and then causing irregular bowel movements, stomach pain, etc. Of course. Now, there is no blood test <laughs> that can diagnose a food intolerance. 
we can diagnose food intolerance with lactose and potentially fructose. But the issue that I have with these commercial food intolerance testing is actually it is the biggest wellness scam of our generation. Okay. Um, specifically talking about a, a food intolerance tests that look at these IgG antibodies. So basically, these are compounds that we produce in exposure to things like food, viruses, uh, pollen, toxins in our environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And these compounds are present whether a person has symptoms or not. So we still produce these compounds even if we're healthy. So if anything, these antibodies, when they test you, they just actually indicate tolerance because you've been exposed to it rather than intolerance because you've been consuming it basically exactly so this is why when wow. a lot of my clients would come in with this <laughs> massive list of foods i was like look at the traffic light system i know the red the green the yellow yes, i exactly. can tell you without even looking <laughs> at your blood work what you're apparently intolerant to oh man so <laughs> i know a lot of people are listening or watching going what yeah. but i've invested so much money in these Look, and and I'm being completely honest with you because I have been approached by these companies and I've even had discussions with these companies. Um, It's a money-making industry. Right. And it's not regulated. When I was, I know, back when I was living here years ago, it's been a while, I've moved, actually I moved out of Dubai a long time ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, I was part of a group that were working with the DHA, so that's the Dubai Health Authorities here, to actually start regulation or regulating these food intolerance testing. Mm -hmm problem is is it's it's incentivized so they would go to doctors or dietitians and say look if you sell this amount this is how much money you can make mm-hmm. um, and when you talk to these companies and this is quite unfortunate is that they always say look the Middle East is fantastic these are our clientele base because they don't question it they have the money mm-hmm. you know they're uneducated mm. and they'll pay for it and that just infuriates me so it's like you are taking advantage of the most vulnerable people. And why do people resort to food intolerance tests? They want answers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the only way to diagnose a food intolerance is to work with a clinical dietitian who has worked in this field for a while, but to do an elimination diet. But again, you need to know what sort of elimination diet am I doing? Exactly. Is it a food chemical intolerance? Are we looking at an enzyme intolerance, for an enzymatic food uh, intolerance? Mm-hmm. Or are we looking at a FODMAP sensitivity? Right. So a lot of the people who would say, look, I think I'm intolerant to gluten. Actually, it's potentially not gluten that you're sensitive to. It's maybe the FODMAPs found in wheat called fructans. Mm -hmm. So this is where, you know, you have to start educating the public to know, okay, hold on. This is a scam. costs a lot of money. And it's unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. So it just goes back to essentially what you said in the beginning is start questioning. Question. Be critical. Always look for answers. Do not just believe everything you hear. And I think a lot of people have become more and more aware of that. And I think that's why they've become more skeptical of everything they hear. But you were skeptical, right? I was. I was. Even at the very beginning. And um, again, my father told me from the very beginning, he was like, (laughs) trust me, these things won't do you any good. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to give it a shot. And, you know... I, I have grown more and more skeptical mm-hmm. of, of these tests, and I know that it's always good to question, but then it just makes your life so difficult. You just don't know what to believe, and yeah. and trying to look for answers, I mean, simplest way on the internet. I mean, you will oh, always no, find contradicting... right? We've yeah, got exactly, AI. everything, but you'll find contradicting opinions okay. and, and contradicting research and, and contradicting, you know... Um, 
uh, I don't I mean I don't even know information just yeah. regular information one website will tell you yeah sure I mean red meat is good for you another website will tell you no it's not yeah. I mean it's always it's always been the case so it's just it makes our lives so much and more I understand difficult. that even as yeah. a dietitian sometimes I even question I was like hold on what yeah you know, people look at like seed oils are bad and, yes you know you shouldn't look I think at the end of the day if something sounds off look at who's I mean Look at where you're getting your information from. Right. I'm not going to say, look. yes, look at their qualifications. But even, you know, people with an MD title have, as I said, spewed a lot of misinformation and pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I, I think, you know, one of, one of the things that I get my clients to relearn is to be connected with their bodies. We mm-hmm. become so disconnected that we wait for people to tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. And I actually ask my clients, how does it feel if I tell you at one point don't come and see me for two months. I just want you to do, I want you to listen to your, what is your body telling you? When should you eat? You know, that's another experiment I get my clients to do. Don't look at the clock. Oh, yeah. When should you eat? When should you stop? Mm-hmm. What, what's your body signals? You know, right. you're, we're so disconnected from our internal body cues that we wait for all these external messages yes. to tell us what to do. Exactly. Oh, it's it's funny that you mentioned timing. Um, and just, you know, it just reminded me of the whole intermittent fasting, you know, <laughs> <laughs> dilemma. Should you do it? Should you not? Women, it affects your hormones. No, it's actually good for you. And it's just you never know what's actually good for you. But anyway, that's a, that's <laughs> that's a, a whole other yeah, 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 that's a different topic, and that's a whole new day and a whole new episode. Um, but you did mention as you were talking that it makes your life so much more difficult with clients. You know, yeah. when you when you hear these things, tell us about some of the difficult cases and like the challenging cases. Obviously, without mentioning any names yeah, or yeah, anything absolutely. to preserve their. Look, again, I, I don't want to sp- mention specific cases, but you do see, let's say, the common denominator. Is exactly, yeah. they haven't felt heard, they felt dismissed. Okay. They've been struggling for 10 years plus. So mm-hmm. literally my clients would come in with a portfolio, 15 yes. <laughs> years worth of information. And I think, you know, my role there is to start to put, I would say, they're, they're, they're the pieces of the gut puzzle together. Mm-hmm. It's about listening. Sometimes about really going way back. When did it all start? Right. right. So we really go about 10, 15, even 20 years before. Could be part of their upbringing, maybe, or something. Could be yeah. a stressful event that caused a glitch, you right. know, and how that gut brain access is working. Perhaps they haven't worked on that specific pillar. They were too focused just on the nutrition side of things, but they probably neglected the mind. Of so the ones that I find the most difficult are the ones that have struggled for a very, very long time have been eliminating for a very, very long time and have actually developed a fear of eating because of that. So this is where when it, you know, when it comes to gut health, gut health is not about exclusion, it's about inclusion. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I remind my clients, like if we do have to go on an elimination, it's never lifelong, it's only temporary unless it's medically justified. Of course. So the complicated cases are ones that are potentially developing either a turbulent relationship with food, a specific eating disorder, or just fear of eating because it just takes them back to that time where they've completely reacted that to, to that specific food. Mm-hmm. So my role there is sometimes to refer them to get a second opinion or a third opinion. So all the doctors that I've actually handpicked, I've built my network. I know I trust these people. And they're very, you know, empathy goes a long way. Let's just put of it course. this way. Of course, yes. So all they want is for someone to sit and listen to them. Again, going back to how the healthcare system is made, Sometimes it doesn't allow for that. Oh, yeah. You don't have, I mean, in, in Switzerland, for example, 
you have 15 minutes with a GP and sometimes that's your first point of contact. It takes me 15 minutes to say hello. Yes, exactly. To get to know you, to just know how you are. (laughs) So then here you go with all the other, you know, wellness woo-woos coming in and say, you know, I got you for 90 minutes. You're here. These are all the tests that you need to get done and you pay out of pocket. Insurance doesn't pay for it. So they feel like, okay, I'm being heard. But at the end of the day, you know, these are also the clients that come back to me and said, tried it, three, four months, felt okay, but here I am. And look at how much money I have spent on supplements X, Y, Z. So these tend to be the most challenging cases. And as I said, a lot of the times is that they haven't worked on a specific pillar long enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that tends to be kind of the, the, the common picture that I see with the challenge. Okay. I, I love that you mentioned empathy because most of the time if I'm going to a doctor, let's just keep it general, just a doctor, yeah. someone in the medical field, I want to feel like I'm interacting with a human being. Like, I don't want you to just give me the, the science jargon and tell me what's wrong with me, but I want you to either t- like give me the solution and you know give me that human factor with it. I'm not asking you to give me ho- uh, false hope, but at the same time, I want you to know me as a person exactly. to be able to give me the solution that fits me. Because again, it's not a one size fits all. Yeah. Like you need to know me to know exactly what to address and how to fix it. So I love that. Okay. You did mention that you have a client waiting and that you have <laughs> a bunch of appointments, <laughs> which is always the case with, a, with our, with our wonderful wide. guests. You know, we get carried away. My last, last question. What's your advice? I'm a frustrated client. I come to you and I'm like, listen, nothing's working. I'm done. Like I'm on the brink of giving up. Nothing's working. I've done all these tests. I come in with the 10-year portfolio that you were mentioning. I'm done. Like I, I you're going to tell me to do something, but it's sort of like in, in the back of my mind, I know that it's going to fail because everything else has failed. What's your advice? One of the first things that I actually get to do with my clients, even in that first session, is setting expectations. What has worked and what hasn't worked. And a lot of the times it's really about redefining your why. Why are you doing this? Again, depending on what you go, irrespective of gut health. Um, whether it's struggles with weight, whether it's struggles with fertility, whether it's struggles, as I said, with your gut. A lot of the times I get my clients to just ask themselves, why do you move? Find out your why. If you're moving just to change that number on the scale or for aesthetic reasons, you're bound to fail. It might work short term, but you're bound to fail. The other thing that I'm always interested in is the psychology around why do you eat the way you eat? So there's a whole bunch of exercises that I get my clients to do because a lot of the times people neglect the psychology around eating. Mm-hmm. Why do we eat the way we eat? There's a ton of different factors that influence that. Of course. So. Again, it's, it's redefining your why. So yes, we do work with a lot of goal setting and it really goes back to, I mean, I want to empower my clients to take charge of their own health. So the most important thing is, right, if we have to work with these four pillars, and one thing that I get my clients to do is, I want you to think of these four pillars, mind, movement, nutrition, and sleep. Um, and I mentioned that in the book as well, and I give a few examples is that I just want you to set one goal under every pillar Um, that you potentially want to work on for the next three months. Mm -hmm. Now, don't set for the year. It can be three months. It can be for the year. But just pick one goal, a maximum of three if you're very optimistic. Be specific. And the thing is you need to make sure that it works for your reality. What is your reality? So this is one of the things that we, you know, I'm going to say I'm proud of. But 
one of our slogans is that we work with your reality. We have people that don't cook. I'm not going to send them a shopping list and expect them to meet Jamie Oliver in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that I feel there are gaps within this industry that they haven't found the right support system yet. And it might take you 15 years until you find people like me who are out there, doctors like the ones we work with who are out there. Um, And this is where we, you know, where we start the, I would say, getting your engines revved up. The other thing that I do is I always take my clients back. I was like, remember that feeling you had that where you felt good physically, Mm. uh, mentally, right? And also redefine what success means to you. What are your KPIs? If your body composition and your weight are KPIs, forget about it. These are not good enough anymore. Mm -hmm. So whether it's about strength, whether it's about mental clarity, whether it's about not having diarrhea anymore, whether it's that, you know, we celebrate a good poo. Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Celebrate the little goals. So there are lots of different KPIs that you can start to work towards. And a lot of the times people just say, look, you're so unconventional, you know, why, yeah. you know, this is not what I expected. A lot of people expect seeing a dietitian, here's a meal plan, this is the diet that I'm on, mm. go and follow it. But it doesn't work. We know it doesn't work this way anymore. Yeah, it's it's long gone. So find out your why, which is perfect because there we're here to tell you why. <laughs> Sandra, thank you so much. My We've taken up so much of your not time all, and this has been pleasant. Please, if you're ever back in Dubai, stop by and we'll talk more about talk. yes more poo talk <laughs> we'll talk about whatever else that we didn't get to talk about today and i know there's always something to discuss my pleasure it thank you fun. so much